Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. Hello, everybody. This is John B. with GangreenNation.com, and this is the Locked On Jets podcast. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please subscribe to this show. It's available on iTunes and Audio Boom. We'll deliver it directly to your device. It'll be great. Your life will never be the same. And be sure to give it good ratings. We are recapping yet another Jets defeat, yet another Jets blowout defeat. The Jets lost Saturday night to the Miami Dolphins, 34-13 to at MetLife Stadium. And joining me to break it down is our normal crew, Nick and McGregor from Gang Green Nation. How are you guys? Oh, it was another great Saturday, so I'm wonderful. <laughs> you know, I'm just glad that they did it on a Saturday. This way I had a day to recover before I started the work week this time, and I didn't go into the work week in a bad mood. So thanks to the Jets for scheduling that game on a Saturday. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel like I could at least enjoy my Sunday watching football knowing that they, you know, they didn't have to worry about whether they were going to lose because they already had lost. So uh, initial <laughs> some good. And you can see some good football, actually. <laughs> You're right. All right. So, got guys, initial thoughts on the game. The first, the you know, I think the thing most people will focus on both in this game and the rest of the season, the play of Bryce Petty, after a very uneven performance against San Francisco. Really, not a whole lot you can say that was good in this game against Miami, in my opinion. I feel like a lot of people just reading some of the reactions feel like he played better than he really did. And I think that has a lot to do with the announcing uh, Doug Flutie, who uh, called the game on NFL Network. And I like Flutie as an announcer. I think he does a good job. But, I mean, he was, like, praising Petty for hitting a basic comeback pass. Uh, you know, he's, he's making it like a routine throw to his Petty's first read, who was open, sound like Aaron Rodgers splitting two defenders and throwing it, fitting a ball into it, covered Jordy Nelson. Uh, for me, when I look at this game, Jets scored 10 points when Petty was quarterbacking, three turnovers, including a big one, what I thought was a big one early in the game because it kind of reminded me of the week one game against Cincinnati where the Jets are up 7-0. They're on the verge of taking control of the game, going up two scores, and Petty fumbles the ball away. The Jets potentially in field goal range. Um, you know, you look at the way he threw his downfield throws were kind of uh, shaky. He really was focused on just force feeding the ball to Bilal Powell. I think Powell ended up with more receptions than all the Jets wide receivers combined. Um, those are my thoughts. What, what do you guys have to add to that? Yeah, I was not very impressed with Petty. I mean, obviously it's so early and he's got time to improve, but this was not a, a great performance by any means. Like you said, they didn't score. If you don't score, it's not a great performance by the quarterback. And uh, what is concerning me a little bit is that some people are sort of uh, – uh, characterizing him as a moment, you know, he's, he's his gunslinger mentality and all that. I'm not so sure there's a great place in the NFL any longer for those kind of quarterbacks. Like like Brett Favre would be a, a perfect example of, of, of a gunslinger quarterback that threw plenty of interceptions but made plays as well. And, you know, he's a Hall of Famer now. But 
you know, if you look at what's going on in the NFL today, Brett Favre would have a hard time starting. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but not that big a one. Guys don't throw 20 interceptions anymore. Nobody does. The worst quarterback in the league doesn't do it anymore. And when you're you're going against – every week you're going against guys who throw seven, eight, nine interceptions in, in an entire year, and you're throwing 15 to 20 – you put your team in a hole every week you can't recover from. So that whole gunslinger thing, if he doesn't cut down the turnovers, it's not going to work. You know, I watched the game after the fact. I actually knew the final score, and I watched the game. And a few things. Number one, I don't know what good quarterback play looks like anymore. It's been, what, three, four years since we've seen anything resembling anything over mediocre quarterback play at best. I mean, maybe a game here, a game there, but I don't know even what to look for anymore because anytime he goes out there and throws a decent pass, I'm like, all right, he's got it. And then I realized, hey, that's a pass that any NFL quarterback makes. He looked all right in spade. The way I put it was you could see sometimes, oh, okay, he's in a rhythm, but then once he gets knocked out, I mean, he looked so bad his feet work was a complete mess he was just launching balls up at a certain point you could just tell he had no just no rhythm or no uh, he wasn't setting his feet at all Uh, I mean the two good passes he made the two best were probably the Robbie Anderson touchdown pass and then the, uh, the pass that he gets killed on I mean that was a nice little pass but I mean other than that I mean you know everything else was pretty much you know, what you'd expect a quarterback to make. I mean, he's not showing any signs yet of really improving. Um, I'll, I'll give him not necessarily a pass, but I will give him a, uh, a kind of a – I understand on his own read, the zone pass uh, to Cameron Wake. That's, that's a typical rookie mistake, even though I know he's not a rookie. But I just don't see anything right now that I can point to and go – he does that above average. I just see a lot of, you know, the same thing we've seen out of quarterbacks from the Jets year in, year out. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I go back to what I was saying about Doug Flutie's analysis of the game where he was praising Petty. He was talking about how great it was. And you, as you mentioned, Nick, it was just really basic quarterback 101, this type of stuff you, I mean, literally any quarterback you watch in the NFL does, no matter how bad they are. And let me give you guys a stat right now for just go back to what McGregor said, talking about the turnovers, Brian Fitzpatrick's interception rate this season is 4.3%. throwing an interception on 4.3%. And that is for context, it's absurdly high. You know, it may not sound that much, but good quarterbacks, you know, are two, you know, 2.5 and lower generally Fitzpatrick's 4.3 right now. Petty is 4.6. So, I mean, I think that gives you an indication of how poorly Petty is protecting the football. And I think, you know, as you said, McGregor, that's the, I mean, that's the first, I think in the NFL these days, the first rule of quarterback plays don't hurt your team. Even if you're not going to help your team, don't hurt your team. Don't, you know, don't take points off the board. If you're on, if you're within scoring range on the other side of the field or give the offense a short field, if you're on your own side, it just, uh, I, there's lots of there are lots of parts of Petty's game that just are not ready for the NFL. But I think that above all else is you know if, if he's not make if he's not making the big mistakes, that's at least something you you can say where he's not hurting the team. But he's you know he I think he took some points off the board and is just 
it's just not what you need. And I, you know, I, I go back to last week. We, you know, we we did our show after the 49ers game, and yeah, we gave them some praise because there were some things to like. But I just think about it; it's really nothing tangible about his play. It's more of the emotional thing where he did not go into the tank after a rough start, and he showed some toughness with some of his runs. There wasn't really anything tangible about his game on the field. I mean, can you guys think of anything tangible that you like? that you've liked, you know, in the games that Petty's played this year? No, I mean, I think, I think Nick brought up a really good point. I don't think there's anything you can point to in his game that you say, yeah, that's, that's well above average. And I I think, okay, you can live with a guy that has things he's got to work on, but when everything is what he's got to work on, the the, the odds are just not very good for that quarterback to ever get there, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you point to San Francisco, I mean, you beat a one and something team that basic and you just beat them. I mean, that should tell you something, you know, I, this team as a whole, isn't very good, but Bryce pet, you know, I look at a game like that. I mean, look at the Cleveland Browns game, you know, you go back to that and all of a sudden, you know, we were not necessarily singing Ryan Fitzpatrick, but we were saying, Oh, okay. Maybe this is the the swing in momentum. Maybe he starts getting it going. And, and guess what? You, you found out. No, it's not. I mean, they're just, I don't, I don't want to say that Bryce Petty isn't good because I, I don't want to draw conclusions yet, but the signs are there that, hey, you're not talking about a guy who's going to be a good starter next year. You're talking about a guy that if you were to start him, you basically would hope that he doesn't kill you. I mean, that's that's basically it. And I mean, that's not that's not NFL quality. That's not, you know, that's not what you need out of a quarterback. You need a, you know, a guy that can actually lead you to a victory. And I don't see that with him. I see a guy that, you know, he relies on other guys around him, uh, specifically below Powell. I mean, you know, half of the first downs were nothing but four and five yard checkdowns that, hey, Powell, go get me six, seven yards. And to be fair, I mean, it's not a bad strategy if he's doing it, but it's not a strategy that exactly endears yourself to a quarterback leading a team. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit positive. That would be Powell's performance and um, I'll be a generous host and let you guys lead off with your, your thoughts on one of the few bright spots for the Jets. I thought he was terrific. I think it's um, a bit of an indictment on the coaching staff that took a Matt Forte injury to give him a shot. Um, it's been two games in a row now. Now I guess, you know, Ball Powell is not a big back. He's something like 205 pounds. I think you know, the coaching staff may think, he's just not going to hold up to the beating he takes over a 16-game season. So maybe that's their thinking. But just based on performance, I, Powell should have been getting this chance a lot earlier than he did and not have to wait for an injury to get it. Um, he's been terrific since he got in there. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't I don't want to go negative here, but coaches, open up your eyes. This is a guy that has been on a bench for, what, three, four years now? Like, what more do you need to see? He should be starting. And, you know, if you want to say, oh, he's going to be a 1A, I can agree with that. But there's no reason that this guy should have been riding the bench this year as much as he has. He's been excellent. And if you want to point to the one bright spot of a guy that, you know, for this year, it's got to be him. You know, I know Inunua and Robbie Anderson all have potential, but Powell's been doing this for two years now. And it just seems like, you know, you get two or three games in a row where he looks great. If he keeps it up the rest of the year, I think, you know, you may look at the running back and just go, hey, we're set. I mean, if we're going to, you know, 
do anything. I think that he's probably the one spot that I don't worry about. Yeah, and I think back to 2013, and I think this is something you talked about, McGregor, is I'm not sure Powell is necessarily a guy who can carry the load because early in 2013, he had a tremendous start to the season and kind of kind of tailed off a little bit. And so, you know, I'm not sure he's necessarily a guy who, if he had Forte's workload, would be as effective. But I, I mean, I just don't think there's any question that he should be getting more carries than he has. And I think this is an indictment of not just the coaching staff, but I also look at the front office is that two of the last three years, and I know that one, I'm going to mention the guy that John Idzik signed, so this is not an indictment on the current coaching staff, but two of the last three years, the Jets have brought in a big name guy who's at the tail end of his career, not as productive, to essentially take carries away from Powell. You know, two years ago, it was Chris Johnson. This year, you know, this year, Matt Forte. I, I just, and you look at it and, you know, it's, it's one of the traits of ineffective front offices is when they're more enamored with a name than being able to self-scout and stick with their own guy who's more productive. You guys have anything to add to that? No, I think it sums it up nicely. Yep, uh, you, you did a great job on that one. Thank you, guys. Uh, that's why you guys are on the show so frequently. Uh, <laughs> that's, and that's why you run a website, and we just help. That that yes, that ultimate glory. Um, I think uh, you know one of the things that is striking about this game is the Jets did not. I don't think the Jets played a bad first half. They were right in the game. They were in control for during the early parts of the game and had a chance to really kind of blow it open. I think early they had a chance to go up two scores. They did not take advantage, but they played a very competitive first half. And you know, you look at this as the second straight time at home they've been blown out. It was not as bad as the game against the Colts, which was just a butt kicking from start to finish. But the second half was every bit as bad as the the way the Jets played against the Colts. And this game just really got away from them very quickly in the third quarter. Yeah, it was, it's, it's not, I mean, they were also getting blown out in the first half in San Francisco before coming back. I mean, this is, this is a a run of, of a lot of blowout material for the last three games. And it's not, it's not a great look for Todd Bowles. Um, it's, uh, I was going to write um, an article uh, during this week, which I never got to, and I'm now I'm glad I didn't. I was go- you had mentioned a point, um, John, that the San Francisco game is, was a nice game to watch for us, but it's not one of those games you're going to go down in history with because it just wasn't a very good matchup where you've seen two bad teams. I'm not going to point out that, that being as it may, it's possible this will look, be looked back on if Todd Bowles ever becomes a good coach as the turning point in his career. You know, he was he was he was looking like he's going to get fired at the, at the halftime of that game, and then boom, you know, suddenly he goes comes back and wins. It's like this just might be a turning point. Well, kind of glad I didn't write that article at this point after this game. You know, I, I said it after the San Francisco game that uh, I don't know why Bowles is off the hot seat. Uh, he. he Game, you look at a game like this, you know, very winnable, and you come out and just lay an egg in the second half. And it's not one thing. I mean, it was everything. Your offense completely stalled. I, I mean, look at the way Petty got absolutely killed. I mean, that was pathetic. And then you look at special teams, uh, gave up a blocked punt on defense, a 60-yard pass. I mean, you're not talking about, okay, maybe one phase of the game stunk and the rest came up. This is all three phases of the game, and this has been week in, week out, you know, for years now. That it just, it, not necessarily years, but for the past year, where 
we can't even do anything, you know, and it's just very frustrating to watch this, you know, and I just look at it and just go, hey, you know, good teams find ways to win. You know, Pats, you know, they may be down one or two guys, but guess what? They end up doing, you know, they end up winning. And then on the other end of it, you have the Jets who just find ways to lose. Um, You know, one of the bigger issues with Bowles is the Jets special teams was really bad a year ago. It eventually cost Bobby April his job. Bowles decides to make a change. And the handpicked guy, he picks a new guy to come in. And the special teams are still melting down. You have a blocked punt that turns into a huge play in this game. Um, so I think that, you know, that's that's one of the more concrete things you can point to. And it's something I don't think you, we've really heard discussed a whole lot. At the, at the same time, I look at this team and I've been saying all year this team is not as this team's talent is not as bad as its record. But I've really started to reconsider because this team really does not have a lot of talent. You know, heading into the season, part of the thought process behind saying that this had team had decent talent was that the secondary would be good. But a lot of that was wrapped up in the idea that Darrell Rivas would be a pro bowl quality corner. He's been maybe the worst corner in football this year. You look at the offensive line, even when all five starters are healthy, it's not a great unit. Now they're down to this. There's no depth you, last, last night. And uh, I'm sorry, Saturday night, you have two second stringers and a third stringer in, um, there's not really a many areas on this team where you can say this, this unit is stacked with young talents. The one place might be the defensive line, but it sure hasn't looked that way. So I look at this team and I I'm starting to think maybe this is four and 12 talent. Yeah, it's not, it's not looking great. Um, I mean, I guess that you have some young receivers that have some promise, but certainly the best of the receivers are the older guys. Um, and uh, speaking of the older guys, uh, Brandon Marshall, I mean, I was up, to a couple of games ago thinking you got to still bring this guy back next year but I don't the more you watch this guy the more it's like I don't know if he's <laughs> I don't know if he's worth bringing back anymore he he may be at the end of his line I mean last last night he had 11 targets and one reception I mean some of that was on petty but you know Marshall drops ball after ball after ball these days he oftentimes just looks disinterested uh, I think you're, you're right about this this team doesn't have as much talent as people thought it did when when we started this year you know, I've said it since the beginning. Is it is it coaching or is it talent? And you know, you're four and twelve for a reason. I think it's both. I mean, the the coaching's been dreadful. I mean, we've argued. You know, I want to tell you how many times about Forte versus Powell and the fact that yeah, Forte will get you seventy, eighty yards and you know a touchdown or two. But then you look at the grand scheme of things, he really doesn't you know light it up. And then you look at you know the fact that you're starting you know, a brand new safety and, you know, just uh, Justin Burris gets burned for a 60-yard touchdown. Maybe then you look at the players and go, maybe the players aren't very good. I mean, you can just pick your poison. I mean, you know, you look at one or the other and you go, both just look so bad. I mean, this isn't, you know, okay, definite, the coaching's the problem. This is, you know, I don't even know where to start with this. I mean, this may be a just blow it all up and figure it out, you know, two, three years down the line. One of the things that really comes to mind for me is on on any successful team in the NFL, you need guys who eventually grow into bigger roles. Uh, naturally, players get old and you can't afford to keep everybody. And a guy who I just think is like the perfect example of that for the Jets this season, he's kind of emblematic of the struggles they've had, is Marcus Williams, who, again, was burned for another 
touchdown, short uh, short catch, and then he misses a tackle. And this was a guy who last year, I mean, he he looked like a good dime back. He you know picked off a lot of passes, played limited snaps, took you know exploited favorable matchups. The Jets really needed him to step up and become a quality full time starter this year, and he still looks like a nice dime back. Nothing more. That's just the perfect example of that for me. And he's another guy who was part of that meltdown in the third quarter. Yeah, he certainly was. I mean, there's there's not a cornerback on this team that can cover anybody, and that includes Justin Burris. I mean, he's, he's had a nice game against San Francisco, but, you know, San Francisco is a team that, that has Jeremy Curley as their number one receiver. You know, this guy would have been a fifth receiver on our team this year, and, and it's just uh, it's not really a fair test of, of Burris' uh, abilities at this point. And just, uh, we haven't seen a single guy in the backfield that can cover anybody this year. And, um, you know, people are talking about, well, we've got this young depth coming up. Well, if they come up and fill those new roles like you're talking about, John, about as well as the guys, young guys we had this year, <laughs> it's not going to work. So I guess we'll see how that works out next year. You know, you look at it and you go, okay, you're still starting David Harris. You know, and let's be honest, he's a nice player. He's been a good beat player for pretty much the last, what, four years, give or take. I mean, you know, nothing spectacular, doesn't do a lot right, but you never saw somebody push him out of that role. You never saw somebody push, uh, you know, a, a safety out of the role. Uh, Calvin Pryor has been, un, you know, has been up and down his whole career. You really haven't seen anybody challenge for his role. You talk about the offensive line. Brian Winters, who's, you know, had a really rough game for the first time. Nobody ever pushed him for that role. The right tackle, the left tackle. You know, you look at this team and you just go, hey, where's the young guys? Where's the undrafted free agents that you find the gem? You know, okay, it points to Robbie Anderson, but, you know, I look at the rest of the squad and go, where are the draft picks that, you know, third, fourth rounder that have turned into a serviceable starter? You don't see that. And that's, that's indictment on, you know, just how poorly we've drafted pretty much the last probably 10 years at this point. I mean, it's it's getting to the point where you look at this team and just go, you know, you have no depth. Your starters are not very good. And you don't have anybody in the line really that can show up and take over a game and, and make themselves something. So I don't even know where to begin with this team. All right. So anyway, as we wrap up our show and put a bow on another Jets lost, uh, final thoughts, guys? Final thoughts. This is, <laughs> this is one of the few seasons where I just feel like it's it's time to end it early. That's my final thought. I never feel that way, but this is this is a, this is a sad year. You know, usually in years past, uh, I'll go back to, you know, when Pennington got hurt, there was was a reason that team struggled. They didn't have anybody behind them. The year that, you know, Pennington and, uh, was it, Jay Feely got hurt in two back-to-back plays. There was a reason. This year, no one really major got hurt early. You could just point to this team as just being bad. And I think McGregor said, you just look at it and go, I want this season to end, and I want – I don't even I don't even I'm not even sure if I'm excited about next year and I'm always excited but I look at next year and I go I'm just I mean unless they make some really really smart moves I think you're looking at another bad year next year as well All right that positive note will be how we end our show uh thanks so much for listening Nick McGregor thanks for joining this has been the Locked On Jets podcast please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Audio Boom Until next time, I wish you a great day.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.